And it's from Psalm 112. For the righteous will never be moved. He will be remembered forever. He is not afraid of bad news. His heart is firm and trusting in the Lord. His heart is firm and trusting in the Lord. That's the people before me. Because you are his righteous one. We've sung about the blood bringing us life, forgiveness. You are the righteous. And so therefore, we, cannot be, we won't, no, don't need to be afraid of bad news because our heart is firm and trusting in the Lord. Daryl's been to Hawaii. Where's the colorful shirt? Come, Daryl. Where's the Hawaiian shirt? Come. Morning, everyone. <laughs> wow. Um, yeah, so I haven't been here for a while for various reasons. One of them was we had a pastry fire before I'd left, and um, I have to say that it was probably a pastry fire I've never worked so hard in my life before. Uh, mostly because out of the four, 13 boys that came, only three of the dads were actually in any position to pursue any sort of spiritual life. And uh, it challenged the, the team tremendously because trying to teach boys on godly manhood, um, the first direction a boy will look is to his father. And so there was a bit of a, a conflict uh, in terms of what they were hearing, feeling, and, 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 and going through and as to what they were seeing with the dads. But God, as always, has abundant grace with us. And I want to say that um, it's probably one of the... One of the events that I walked away as tired as ever, I also felt a great sense of accomplishment where God stepped in, in spite of us. And um, I, I, I believe there's irreversible change in that community that, that went from it. So um, I've just cut back. This is day two, three. I still don't know which day it is, actually, um, from getting back. And, and I want to say that Hawaii is exactly on the other side of the planet for us. So 36 hours of flying um, makes for, um, yeah. <laughs> but I want to say that God teaches one patience. Um, it's kind of like standing in government queues. Uh, <laughs> you're going to get there, but you just have to have patience. And um, just really got to meet a whole lot of people on the flight and getting there. And uh, um, as I was complaining the other day about the 35-hour flight or 36-hour flight there and the 36-hour flight back, so one of my friends said to me, Daryl, that's just tax on fun. Get over yourself. So, <laughs> but there was a real purpose to me going, I have to say. Um, Hawaii is a destination that I've been trying to get to since 2006. And why I, I ended up going was um, the founder of the Pastry Fire Experience, who visited us last year, if you remember, in August, um, he is in Kauai, and that's where he lives. And it really was just a sense of to get across there and get a feel for how they do it, what their heart, what his heart was in starting the event of, of writing the book and getting all that out. So I've been over the last 10, 11 years been wanting to get there just to get a sense of where they're at. And uh, I didn't go alone. I went with uh, one of our volunteers, Dave Room. Um, we, God really blessed us in terms of the funds to get there. It's not something we could afford to do. But uh, I've always known that when the time is right, the funds would come, and indeed it did. So getting to Hawaii was such an experience. And, and the particular island that I went to is the island of Kauai, uh, K-A-U-A-I something. 
Kauai. And um, that is one of the most northern islands, very small. It's a little bit smaller than the island of Mauritius. Total population of between 60 and 80,000 people, depending what time of year it is. So there's a lot of, obviously a lot of uh, um, tourists uh, and summer people. A lot of people in the States buy homes there and they spend six months one side and six months on the other side. Oh, to be so fortunate. So um, a couple of unique things about this place is that the sense of community is beyond measure because you've got such this mix of cultures from all over the world that have come together over the centuries and Hawaii's form. The other thing is that we want to complain about our vervet monkeys and our haridas. Kauai has an overpopulation of chickens. Probably more chickens than we have haridas. And, and what actually happened in, in the early 90s, they, they suffered under, they were victims of a really, really huge to, um, hurricane that moved over the island. So big that the eye of the hurricane was pretty much the size of the island when it moved over. And everybody had chickens there in their coop at the backyard. And, but with this hurricane, whole houses, three, four bedroom houses were lifted off their foundations and moved along with chicken coops. So you'd be driving down the freeway and there'd be a four-bedroom house in the middle of the road. I mean, that's the severity of it. And yes, it was funny to them afterwards. They've got a great sense of humor in, in times of tragedy. But these chickens all got blown away and everybody had to go buy eggs and, and chicken meat for a while. But two years later, someone noticed, damn, we've got a lot of chickens around. These guys were blown up into the mountains and they bred over a two-year period and suddenly inhabited the whole island. And the government now pays people to hunt them because they've become a problem. So, anyway. Um, so, my arrival there, I took two or three days to, to settle and to get over the jet lag, and I was honored to be asked to speak at what they call Q Commons. Now, Q Commons, or Q Talks, is an organi international organization which is the same as TED Talks. Does, I presume you all know TED Talks. Uh, the, the only difference is that Q Commons is TED Talks that is faith-based. So it's real-life issues, real things which are discussed um, in a public forum with the idea of what is the biblical response? How do we get into these things as being Christians? And I was asked to speak on rites of passage, and it was quite a huge experience, but intimidating speaking amongst doctors and professors, but uh, I wanted to say it was an absolute blessing to be there. And um, so that was the one reason why, one bit of work I had to do. And the other bit of work was we actually ran a pass-through fire um, Hawaiian style up in the mountains of Kauai. And the main mountain in the middle of Kauai is actually the area with the highest rainfall in the world. So we're fortunate where it hasn't quite started raining that badly there. And it was just oh, a blessing to be there. It's, um, this was probably about as dressed up as I got the whole time I was there. Um, and this is the way church is done, and this is the way everything's done. Um, homes, you honor your, your hosts by taking your shoes off before going into the home um, because there's a lot of Japanese influence into the culture. And this is kind of what I, what I wanted to, to, to really share is the take-homes that I've got from the visit because the pasture fire was amazing. The reason why we wanted to experience the pasture fire was that they do it with very few dads. Fatherlessness is a big issue even there on the island. So of the 30-odd boys, we had four or five dads a total. But they run it with the understanding that dads won't be there for their boys. So it's about a village validating and affirming boys into the manhood. Because as we know, manhood is not earned, it's bestowed. 
and understanding that the gray heads of our community and our church are there to bestow masculinity and manhood upon the boys and the youngsters in, in the village. So Pastor Fire went off incredibly well, and we're bringing back so much, which we're going to incorporate into the program here in South Africa, because fatherlessness is an issue in Africa. And we're being empowered with that, and it's been amazing that this small little island could provide us with so much foundation to work from. But a few things I noticed is that America, particularly this island, because it is American, it's a 50, one of the 52 states of, of America, there's an incredible sense of unity, community, and family on this island. I was called uncle by so many kids who just met me by the first time, because, not because that's the respect that you, uh, you, you get, but that is because you're family and therefore you're uncle. Um, and I was treated as someone who's been there for two, three years in every aspect, in the church, in the homes. It was the community and family that I was welcomed into. I've never been fed so much in my life before in the, in the two weeks that I was there because that is something which they do. Yes, you can see. Um, <laughs> but the this, this sense of family and community was great. And, I, and looking around, I begin to realize, but hang on. There's Japanese, there's Indonesians, there's, there's black, there's white, there's just about every nation is represented in, in the Hawaiian Islands, yet they are one nation. And there's all these cultures, the Japanese culture, the Indonesian culture, all the rest, yet there is one culture. So it's a, a nation which they're all American. That is the, the binding culture. Before they are black, white, colored, Japanese, whatever it is, they are first American. And it struck me that that's what we lack, is that we're so busy being the 11 official languages, black, white, colored, Zulu, Tosa, European, whatever it is, that we forget that first we're South African. And it just gave me an insight in terms of where God's headed with us as a nation. If my people will humble themselves, if we'll submit to the combined culture that we have, which is ultimately the culture of Jesus, things will change. And um, so this is the marked difference that I noticed between that culture, that nation, and us as a nation, is that we haven't yet got to a place where we're united as one people. Because when we're united as one people, we overlook each other's differences and start to look for, for each other's commonalities. And it reminded me, there's something that Esty and I have always said, and sometimes it's an embarrassing thing, but sometimes I'm actually quite for good about it, and that is, life's too short to drink cheap wine and bad coffee. <laughs> now, I'm sure most of you will agree with me. I mean, I'd rather have one glass of a good bottle of wine than drink Happy Box and just hate myself forever. It's, <laughs> I'd rather spend 30 bucks on a good cappuccino than have instant coffee and have a bad taste in my mouth for the whole day. So it's just the reality, you know, and, and one thing I like about a good bottle of red wine is that you, you make sure the glass is clean because you don't want the smell of the cupboard in the glass while you're trying to enjoy your good glass of wine. And if you're going to have a second glass and you're drinking from a different bottle, you want to rinse it out because you don't want the one to influence the other. It's the same with a, with a good coffee. You, you don't want a, a blend. You want a single origin because you want the, the real flavor of the coffee. And I'm getting somewhere with this. Just trust me. And, and Ant will agree with me on this about single-origin coffee. Um, 
So, here's the thing. Um, Mark 2.22. And I, there's a point to this. And no one pours, pours new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the wine will burst the skins, and both the wine and the wineskins will be ruined. No, they pour new wine into new wineskins. I firmly believe 100% that we are on the verge of change within this community and this church. And this country. And that's another point. But it starts here, in our community. We can't change the nation, but we can change our village. And God has called us to a point of change now. And, And I believe there are changes coming sooner than you think. The difference is, is are you going to sit with your old wineskin while God tries to pour new wine in? Or are you going to be ready to accept the change, the glass that's been rinsed? Accept the single origin and try to expect, instead of expecting the blend of all sorts of different opinions, seek God first. And um, we're, we're probably going to be offended. But as I always say, offense is taken, not given. If you're offended, there's something in your wineskin which is going to conflict with that which God is going to pour into it. And all you're going to end up with is a bitter taste in your mouth. So you need to empty yourself to receive the new wine. And one of the other things that I was asked to do while I was there is uh, they have what they call a red chair. It's in this dark little corner in the church in one of their buildings. And it's a chair. It's got a whole lot of lights around it and a black backdrop and a camera. And they interview people. And for testimonies and that, which they record and they put online for... Anyway, I was asked to sit in the red chair around my walk in, on, on the ministry with Pastor Fire. And one of the questions they ended off with is, where do you see this going? If, 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 if God showed all the favor and your wildest dreams came true, where will you be in 10, 15 years with this ministry? And I, I have this amazing habit of allowing my mind just to spin out and go wild. And my first reaction was, well... I believe that Pastor Fire and the Heartland Ministry is a ministry for Africa. So my first instinct is the immediate countries around us. Namibia, Botswana, Zambia, Zimbabwe, Mozambique, Malawi. But I believe Africa as a whole. And before I'd left, um, I kind of had a sense that something needed to change. And we just registered the domain name, the website name, heartland.africa, because I feel that this is the truth. This is where God's leading us. But I also said, well, I feel that the ministry will come around and return to America because it's a ministry that never established and went off in the States. And I believe it's a ministry that's going to go there. And I honestly believe that. But here's the thing is that I believe there's a prophetic word in that because I believe Africa is going to be the change of the nations. We're the one continent which knows both ends of the scale. We know violence and we know love. And we know when both get out of hand, where they can go. And I believe we called as a nation to be a, na- a nation of changing for the rest of the world. I believe Africa is going to be the, the spiritual restoration of America and Europe. And we're part of that. Sarepta Church is part of that. And until we realize that the new wine's coming, um, we need to get ready. And we need to prepare for that. So, 
People had a couple of chickens in the backyard to feed themselves. Little did they realize that it would feed the whole island. So what we start with here, the winds of change will blow to bring change in the nation. Storms happen for a reason. We don't see the truth in it, but they happen for a reason. God bless Africa. Just next uh, Sunday, this whole year, we've had uh, a Monday evening, Monday motivation. We've had anything from uh, 50 to 120 people meeting here uh, for Alpha, for teaching, for training Andy Stanley. And next Sunday, they are going to come back and report back about what God has, God has done. Even last week, I think, uh, last Last Monday evening, three people gave their lives to Jesus. So there's been revival is taking place. Revival is taking place on a, on a Monday evening. And we want to hear the story because we want to be a part of it and we want to own it. And we want to hear it and we want to encourage them and bless them in, in that journey and, and, and to be a part of it. So they're going to take most of the service next week. Zalani will be in, in charge of that. If we can take up an offering. Lord, we thank you for your abundant blessings in our lives. We rejoice that everything we have comes from you. And so we, we sow back into your kingdom our tithes and our offerings. We ask for your blessing, those that come in the, in, through the internet and through the, the baskets. We just thank you, Lord. Wow, what a rich morning. Kind of, it's getting on. But if we remember last week, what was, the, what was the theme last week? Rejoice. Rejoice. Hey, we have, is that Ayanda? I can hear Ayanda from the top. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God which passes all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. We are a people who can rejoice. We have been rejoicing. We have been singing praises and worship to our King today. That He is holy, that He reigns, that He is Lord and Savior. He's all those things. He's watching over us. He's keeping us. And so I thought, where should I go to from there? And I just thought, well, let's carry on. I'm going to read uh, from uh, Philippians chapter 4 from verse 10. And this is Paul rejoicing. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have received your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I'm I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound. In, in, in any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. 
And then he carries on, he says, Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble, as you Philippians yourself know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent, help, sent me help for my needs once and again. Now that I, not that I seek, not that I, not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that cr- increases to your credit. I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Ephroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God shall supply every need of yours according to His riches and glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. So the Philippians in this chapter have gone out their way to help. It's taken a long time. The opportunity uh, was difficult. I don't know, we don't know the real reasons why it took such a long time for them to be able to help to send some support to Paul. But Paul is here as he's rejoicing. He says he's not actually dependent on, on, the, on their gifts. But he's thanking them for, the, for their gifts. He's thanking them for their blessing. And the secret here. He shares a secret. And I want to share the secret with you today. Because it's not a well-kept secret. You know, you get these adverts. The best keep, kept secret in the Berg is this wonderful new development that's going to take place. And you're going to have a place looking at, the, looking, at the, looking at these wonderful mountains. The best kept secret. And then there's a lot of uh, clauses and, such, and, and, and it comes at a, at, a, at a great price. But Paul here is saying that he has learned to be content. Something which probably doesn't really necessarily just come naturally. We need to learn to be content. And it's quite difficult in the world in which we live in. In a Western world, in a capitalist world, which is always bombarding us with advertisements to say, this car that you're driving is not that good. We have got the new latest model with a whole lot of bells and whistles. And you need that one. That's the one you need. And I know you go and you buy a car and you, it's got all the, all the fancy things and uh, you kind of, for the first couple of weeks, it's magnificent. And then three or four years down into it, suddenly it's now, suddenly now you suddenly find it's chomping oil. I've never ever had a car that's chomped oil. My car's eating oil. And I've heard of somebody else in the community who has exactly the same car. And they've sent it to the, to the dealers, and the dealers have said it's going to cost 67,000 rand to repair. Where's my contentment? Where's my peace? Where's my peace? I don't have 67,000 rand. 
Where's, where, okay. And that's, this, is why I'm, this is why I'm preaching this week. So this is, this is, my, this is my theme. And this is where... Lord, <laughs> I need to be content. Because I'm preaching on it. <laughs> I need to be content whether I have lots or whether I have little, whether I have abundance. Or whether there's an empty cupboard. I think we need to realize that when Paul is writing this, these letters, most of the letters, most of the New Testament is written from Paul being in prison. Especially all his letters just about. Yeah, he's waiting for a death sentence to be pronounced. He's waiting for execution. Consider his life. He was whipped, he was beaten, he was stoned and left-footed, he, he suffered shipwrecks, shipwrecks. Not just one. I would have thought if I had been in a shipwreck, well, I'm going to avoid going on a ship. Not like Jonathan. Jonathan's been in two plane crashes. Same pilot. Pilot says it's, he's only crashed when Jonathan's been in, your, in the plane. This is what we do for the gospel. Paul was threatened with death by both Jews and Romans. And yet, he was content in it all. Look at Paul's own words in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. This is what he says. We are hard pressed on every side yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. And yet, there is a joy in the Lord, and yet from prison he can write, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. You can write, I'm going to be thankful in all circumstances. There is a legend. And this legend goes something along this line. This is not scripture. It has to do with a wealthy merchant during Paul's days who had heard of the Apostle Paul and had become fascinated with him, so that he decided, I need to visit this man to see who he is. And so when passing through Rome, he got in touch with uh, Timothy and arranged an interview with Paul, the prisoner. Stepping inside the, sh- the cell, the merchant was surprised to find apostle, the apostle looking rather old and physically frail. But he felt at once the strength, the serenity, and the magnetism of this man who relied on Christ as his all in all. They talked for some time, and finally the merchant left outside the cell. He asked Timothy, what's the secret of this man's power? I've never seen anything like it. 
Did you not guess, replied Timothy. Paul is in love. The merchant looked puzzled. In love? Yes, said Timothy. Paul is in love with Jesus Christ. The merchant looked even more bewildered. Is that all? He asked. Timothy smiled and replied, That's everything. And I looked at it a little bit last week. That's everything. Are we in love with Jesus? When you think of Paul's life, you think of his life and his pedigree. He had the right pedigree. He'd gone all to the right schools, the right university, the right theological college. And yet, what did he do? He counted it all dung. He counted it all refuse. It was the surpassing knowledge of Jesus that changed his life. life. He was on his road, not minding his own business. He was persecuting the church. He was trying to have... The, the church killed. And he met, his, he met Jesus. He met the Lord, the Savior of the world. And his life was changed. Why? Because he met love. And Jesus, I mean, you know the story. Jesus said, Paul, Paul, why do you persecute me? He didn't know who it was. It was Jesus. And Jesus, in his love, came and and. and and met with Paul, and Paul's life was changed around. And one of the challenges you and I have is, in the busyness of life, is not to lose that first love. I love that. When the merchant said, is that all? He's in love. Sarah knows about that. She's in love, and there's a, there's a wedding, and there's a plan, and there's a feast, and there's, there's partying, and there's celebration, and there's all people coming, and, it's, and, and she's in love. But what about 10 years down the line? What about 20 years down the line? 10 years and 20 line, we have to... <laughs> we have to... We have to we still be in love. We're still walking and still enjoying each other. I'm in... The first 50 of the toughest, says Jonathan. I'm more in love with Mary Ellen today than I was when I married her. Hey. <laughs> but it's the love that spurs us on. It's the love. I preached it. I think I'm stuck. I can't preach anything else, but it's the love of Christ that compels us. It's Christ in us that makes a difference. And so you might hear me saying that every week, and you might say, oh, we've heard this before. Yes, you have heard it before, but hear it again, because there's nothing more exciting than being in love with Jesus. And the more we're in love with Jesus, the more all the stuff, will grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. And so we need to be content in Jesus. Contentment 
comes from us learning to to appreciate what you and I have in Jesus and what He's done for us. In the Old Testament, there's this wonderful story about Mephibosheth. I got the pronunciation right, but I think from now on I'm going to call him Mephib. Mephibosheth is one of my favorite stories in the Old Testament. Mephibosheth is uh, the grandson of Saul the king. He is, I think he's uh, Jonathan's, Jonathan's son. And uh, on the day that uh, Saul and Jonathan were killed in battle, the heir to the throne is the next in line, and Mephibosheth would have been one of them. In those days, if you became king, what did you do? The first business you did is you killed any opposition. You took them out. You uh, had them beheaded. I mean, look at the, 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 the British. The, the British, they were famous for that. <laughs> they were famous for that, taking out the opposition. But David wanted to find out where there were any of Saul's relatives living. Why? Because he wanted him or them to come and live in the palace, to share the blessing. It's God's grace. You and I are where we are today because God loves you, because of God's grace. We're all enemies. We all deserve the, 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 the chop. He was a cripple, yes. He was crippled. And he got invited to David's table and eat and was given the lands that belonged to his grandfather. And then history. Wow, when you look at history, it's blood and guts and it doesn't matter whether it's the scriptures or or modern day history. David's son, Absalom, led a coup on the throne. David had to go into exile. Mephibosheth's household came to David with supplies and gifts and played to the king. Ziba sent, said that Mephibosheth stayed in Jerusalem. Ziba is uh, uh, Mephibosheth's steward. Yeah, that's, that's the word I'm looking for. St- stayed in, he said that uh, Mephib had stayed in Jerusalem because he believed that he would be given the throne. David, hearing the words of Ziba, was angry. He saw Mephib's attitude as an act of treason and told Ziba that everything that belonged to Mephibosheth would now belong to him. Nothing changes in this world. There's greed and, and, all, and all, that, all that stuff. But the coup ended. It came to an end. David returned to Jerusalem. and We read, now Mephibosheth, Saul's grandson, arrived from Jerusalem to meet the king. He had not washed his feet or clothes nor trimmed his beard since the day the king of Jerusalem had left. Why didn't you come with me, Mephib? 
the king asked. Mephibosheth replied, My lord the king, my servant Ziba deceived me. I told him, saddle my donkey so that I can go with the king. For as you know, I am crippled. Ziba has slandered me by saying that I refuse to come. But I know that you are like an angel of God. So do what you think is best. All my relatives and I could expect only death from you. My Lord, but instead, you have honored me among those who eat at your table. So how can I complain? All right, David replied. My decision is that you and Ziba will divide your land equally between you. Quite a strange decision. Dividing the land between Ziba and, and, and Mephibosheth. What's Mephibosheth's response? Give him all of it. Give him all of it. I am content just to have you back again, my Lord. Mephibosheth had been slandered. He had lost all of his land to the one who did the slandering. And rather than be bitter, he said, I don't care about the land. I only care about you. Do we only care about the giver? Or are we all looking for handouts and gifts? Do we care about our king? Do we seek first his kingdom? Can you echo today? Can I echo today? Whom have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire besides you. Just listen to those words. Whom have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. What is the greatest portion you and I need? And for you and I to be content... That's what we need to know. We need to know the gospel, the good news. We need to know that the king came and died while we were enemies, while we were estranged, uh, in, in while we were, at, we were at wrath with God. He was at wrath with us. We were angry. And yet he came and he loved us. And that's all we need to know. We need to know that He loves us. And then we can start to be content. To be satisfied in Him. Sarah, my challenge to you, I sometimes do this at weddings. And it's a challenge to all of us. But as you're about to get married, Be satisfied in your king. Put him, seek him first. And when you're satisfied in him, all the other stuff will flow. All of it. You will love Tim. Tim will love you in response. And it's going to be beautiful. But the key, the key to life, 
the key to contentment, the key to peace, is to be satisfied in Him. Know that today, beloved. Know that. Know that. And Paul knew that. Paul writing knew that. And that's why in dire circumstances, in prison, facing imminent death, he could write this. Have you encountered your King? Have you encountered Jesus? Do you know Him? as your Lord and Savior. We've been singing about it today. In Christ alone. We can sing. If we can sing that song, if we're going to close on that. And then afterwards, if anybody would like to give their lives to Jesus, who's not feeling content, I want you to come forward and we'll pray. But let's sing the song because it's we're declaring that it is in Christ alone. We have life. We have everything. Thank you. I thank you. I thank you that we are loved. Not only are we loved, we are chosen. And you have made us holy and you've made us righteous. And it's in that which we rejoice today. We rejoice in the finished work on the cross. So let's lift our voices this morning to our King.